as you know, over the over the last number of months, we've um, we've tried to do every every fourth Sunday. Hopefully, it'll maybe be it'll maybe change every so often. We're trying to move from just a, a constant dialogue on our Sunday mornings to a constant monologue on a Sunday mornings to a dialogue. Um, in other words, we're just trying to we're trying to do some teaching, what we believe that the Lord is saying to us, and uh, and then giving space every few weeks just to be able to gather a few people and just pause and see what it is that we are hearing together, what is it that we are learning together, and um, and I think it's just really important for us to do that. And so we are going to do that. Uh, we are going to do that in in a in a way this morning. Um, David and Cheryl haven't been with us the last three Sundays um, to know what we've been talking about. But our theme has been, if you've been with us at all over the last number of weeks, you'll know that our theme has been uh, walking in the way of Jesus. And 1 John 2 verse 6 is where we've taken that from. Uh, anyone who claims to be in him must walk as he walked. And, uh, and so some of us have just opened up that up. What, what does the way of Jesus look like? And, uh, and I think it is true, some of us love the name of Jesus because he saves me and mine. But sometimes we don't like so much the ways of Jesus because he saves and rescues them ones. And, um, and so, so we just want to um, make sure that we're just keeping on opening up this conversation and being, uh, sometimes the way of Jesus can be incredibly confrontational. It can be incredibly... Uh, provocative to our safe, comfortable lives, that the way of Jesus can really um, shake things up. And all of that to say, David and Cheryl Bailey are a couple who I'm convinced are following the ways of Jesus. I don't want to, I don't want to get, get build them up too much, put too much pressure on them, but I am convinced that they're following the ways of Jesus. They've moved out of the safe, the comfort, and, uh, and just pursuing the ways of Jesus. And so we're going to talk a wee bit this morning about what that looks like for them, and see if there's stuff that as a uh, as a church family, we can learn from them and learn together today. Unfortunately, we will not be able to have our church picnic. I'm so cross at the weather this morning, honestly. I held off and I thought, like, it's going to change. Like, it's going to be some miraculous wind and sun just going to blow through here and dry everything up. And uh, it didn't happen. Um, but uh, So we'll do it another time. But we'll take, as mu- take advantage of this time that we have with David and Cheryl. David and Cheryl, uh, come on up, please. Welcome them. As they... Uh, Am I far enough away from you guys? Just, just for the cameras, make sure we're doing things right. Sorry, Andrew. It's like a wee living room here. So that's your, that's your mic there if you want to swap it about. There you go. You can sing first, Sean. <laughs> Start a wee band here, don't <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for, for being with us. Um, real privilege. Uh, it is going to be a wee bit of this for the first few minutes. We'll do a bit of an introduction, get to know you. I think it's it's still fair to say that I'm just still we're just still getting to know each other. Um, but I think there's been enough to know that uh, that the Lord's doing something beautiful, uniting kingdom hearts, which He does, and uh, and so we're really grateful for um, for continued friendship with you guys. So why don't you just introduce yourselves? Tell us who you are. Introduce your family. What you've been doing, and where the stage that you are that you're at at the minute. 
So, I, let me see where to start here. By the way, you said, you know, we're following the ways of Jesus. We're so ordinary, it's unbelievable. Even and better, I think that's, that's, that's the key, isn't it? Uh-huh. Just be ordinary. So, uh, yes, David and Cheryl, we have three boys that you might have seen. We have uh, Elijah, who's 10, and then we have Gideon, who's five, and Seth, who's four. And so we have three boys, and it's, it's busy at home, and it's a, it's a bit of crack. You, you, get plenty of, you get plenty of mess and plenty of shouting the odd day, but uh, they're great lads. Uh, we are living in Belfast at the minute, so we haven't been living in Belfast. We're from Dromore, County Down. Uh, Cheryl grew up a little bit in Lurgan, and she's going to claim today that she has a wee bit of Rich Hill connections as well, Good. somewhere. So... Uh, <laughs> So we grew up in Dromore, uh, you know, we met, Charles and I met uh, in Youth for Christ, so there was a, sort of a drop-in centre about this size in Dromore, and that's where we met. Charles was actually on the Logos 2, on the ships, OM ships, so she heard that this young, good-looking fella got saved in Dromore, so she came back, got off the ship. and she, she swam home to I meet me. Jump in any time. But yeah, so we've been married for 14 years. We, we met there in Youth for Christ and I suppose the past, uh, we've just been trying to follow Jesus, what, what he wants from us and our family. Um, initially, it was just Cheryl and I, but uh, we, we, we moved to Australia and then we, while we were there, we really felt that the Lord was speaking to us actually about coming back to uh, the south of Ireland. So we spent the last, basically the last 10 years of our life in the south of Ireland. Uh, doing lots of stuff but more recently working for a little church probably about the same size as this lovely family atmosphere in here by the way and you just feel so welcome so i let charles speak for a wee while i don't know what to add to that well, so, so let's talk about yeah. let's talk about the last 10 years because yeah. i think that's mm-hmm. i think that's what i'd love to yeah. that's the learning i'd love for us mm-hmm. to 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 receive today is like what has mm-hmm. been walking in the way of jesus look like amongst uh the people of Ireland, where yeah. you've been. So I suppose for us, we're very much like, so he says we're from Dromore. So you guys will know in Rich Hill, everyone knows everyone. Okay. Yeah? yeah. So, and that's the beauty of a market town. And that's what we grew up in. So when we were involved in ministry in our hometown, you kind of knew everyone and you knew whose cousin was whose cousin. And you had this, all these links just sort of spread. And that was awesome. The Lord taught us a lot of things about ministry there. But suddenly he was asking us to go to a new place where we were both blowings, and you're kind of going, okay. Um, and I suppose how we started when we moved down was very much it was a direction of the Lord. But we just moved in and actually it started with prayer walking and just praying over the streets and getting to know people. Um, because you know yourselves, there's the movers and the shakers. There's, you know, the person who's connected to everyone in the town, um, whether that's by family or just because they're involved in every organization. Um, and so we just kind of prayed, going, Lord, lead us to those people. Um, and so that's what we kind of did. And so our prayer, when we first landed into it, was a wee tiny town called Ballina Slough in County Galway. Um, if any horsey people are here, there's a big horse fair. It's like the oldest in Europe happens in this little town and so it was this little town and to be honest it was a town that probably felt like it was closing down it kind of felt dead all the young people leave to go to uni and don't come back and so it was kind of a town that shops were boarded up and it was I think a lot of people were kind of going 
why would you come to Ballinasloe? And um, but actually, as we started walking the streets, the Lord started just make us fall in love with that time. And as we started to speak over how much we loved it, the people there started going, "Yeah, it is great, isn't it? We love being from here." And um, and so our prayer was really going, "Lord, knit us into the fabric of this time." Just knit us in. We want people to get to know us so they can get to know you. Um, and because we are carriers of the Lord, as because Christ lives in us, anything that we were doing, whether it was going to the shop or picking up litter with the litter committee or joining the scouts or joining the local youth club down the town, literally it was a case of we are bringing kingdom life into those situations. So I suppose that was our initial prayer. And I could go into lots of different details, but what we really saw happening, we had some opportunities, obviously, as David said, we were working with a church about this size. We faced some scenarios where it was a case of, right, do we kickstart ministries and start it from the church, or do we join what's already happening? And so we actually felt the Lord say, join what's already happening. Um, And so one of the things was we joined, well, we David. I was home with the kids. Um, He actually joined the local youth club. Now what happened from that was not necessarily a massive influx of youth into the church. Okay, we really felt the Lord was saying, you're responsible for the discipleship of the youth and the families in your church, but go out and connect with the guys out there. And of course, stuff happened. Relationships were built with the young people. But what really was of significance were the relationships with their parents. And suddenly we started to see the parents of those young people who would never have darkened the doors of the church started coming at the swimming pool over to talk to us about faith and about issues of faith that they had. And, hey, what do you think about this? And suddenly we had these, or there was the organic farmers up the road suddenly invited you in and then were chatting to you. And, or the local sergeant actually would say, hey, Dave, do you want to go out for a bike ride? And suddenly just poured his heart out. And you started to see yourself pastoring outside of the church, which was, yeah, we really just loved that and how Jesus just opened up those things. I love that child. Just so Dave, yeah. just just to stick on that yeah. idea, because what anybody that's been around me for the last few weeks, I should say that the, this language about weaving yourself into the fabric of the community came from these guys. So in case uh, uh, I've been claiming that as my own, I have like I've just been so struck by that language, yeah. and so I'm struck by the language. But then, as you as Cheryl, as you talk about how that what that has actually looked like is really helpful. So like Dave, can you talk? I know Cheryl's done a great job, but tell us talk about like what it's been like for you to, to build friendships. Because even in the conversation we had a, yeah. a couple of days ago, just really important you to make friends. Like friendships mm-hmm. are really important. People over projects, all of that sort of stuff. Like yes, speak, into, yes. speak into some of that. Well, I suppose it all, for me, like I'm a really highly people person driven, you know, so I have to be out in the community. If I'm not talking to someone for 20 minutes in the day, you know, I, I sort of freak out and get a bit nervous, uh, where Cheryl, she's fine with that. Uh, so whenever we go to a new place, wherever we go and whatever we do, I'm the one that's always like out and about. So I'll be out and about just chatting away to people. And for me, I just really, really need that. And so, um, and I suppose where it really came out of for me was I, you know, I done evangelism stuff over the years with different groups. And what I noticed was that, you know, we're good at just bringing people in to evangelize people and we do start to then have this thinking where you know if we can do this and share the gospel with someone well then we've done our job 
And for me, I can remember just watching that over and over again, thinking, this, there's more to this. You know, these guys, they're not projects, they are people. And how then are we going to, you know, walk with them? How are we going to connect with them? You know, what's God calling us to do? And I suppose then that's where the whole, the whole fabric thing came out of. I remember just prayer walking around the streets and, and the Lord saying, weave yourself into the fabric, you know. And, and I, we, we just looked around and we thought, well, what's here? And as Cheryl says, there was youth clubs, there was scouts, there was, uh, you know, mental health uh, charity, a guy who's just doing great work, you know. And for me, then I just started to throw myself into that and make friends, make connections, start to value people. I think when we value people and we show them that we're there for, for them, not just to get something from them, uh, that makes a difference, you know, especially when you're in a town for a long time and you're trying to invest yourself in that town, you know, people have to see your authenticity. Like one thing, if you read Acts, like the disciples were authentic people, like they oozed authenticity. And so to be ministering in your own town or in a town nearby that you're going to invest some time in, you have to show the people that you're there for them, you know? And for me, even to just come in and go, as Cheryl says, like we're gonna start this, this, and this, God is already at work. And he's doing stuff in the hearts, like the guy who's running the, you know, the mental health charity, he's got a story. And I found out his story, and that story's driving that whole thing. And then you have the guys in the scouts, you know, they have a story, a passion, what's God, like, they're driving that. And so I'm figuring out, well, what is their heart's passion, and how can I connect to them? How can I learn from them? How can I bring Jesus into that scenario? and just be there for them, you know, and pastor them and listen to them. And it's, it's just been really, really good. You know, and actual, actual fact, see, leaving there, I grieved the people, you know. I actually really grieved just not seeing the guys there, you know. Yeah, we'll, ju we'll just talk about, like, where you're at at the minute. Uh, but I just want to say how helpful th this is for me because I sometimes think we're guilty in the church of thinking that the community is waiting like we need to put on the perfect event we need to put on the perfect thing and we forget that god is already at work mm -hmm. so that, that struck me a couple of years ago that the father is always working yeah. and i think like we we forget that and so that's why why i why in some ways the gift of lockdown although it's been difficult and strange and all of that has been a chance to see what it is that he's doing mm -hmm. what is already going on within this community that we can be a part of, mm -hmm. rather than us trying to almost in competition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like we'll, they're doing that, and they're doing it really well. But the church needs to do it. Yeah. A separate thing, you know what I mean? And I think for me, like David said, I would probably be more introverted than him. So honestly, if no one darkens my, I actually kind of liked lockdown a wee bit. You know, I liked reading books on my bookshelf that were just calling out to me. Um, but actually, I think for me, a lot of outreach, I think because we have the let's put stuff on, it's almost a covering to cover our fear. And um, because we're scared, you know, if they're not coming to the church already, they obviously don't want to know what I want to share with them, but I'm meant to share this and I'm told I have to share it. And oh, and there's this sort of clash. And it's actually fear. Like, will they actually want to know what I want to say? Um, and so we'd maybe try and cover up by doing the awesome yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
And actually, I think what even the Lord's just even spoken to me when I was just worshiping there was perfect love drives out fear. And so when we actually start in the place of prayer and the Lord just burning our hearts with love, absolute love for folk, actually him in us is the hope of glory. Um, and so it's actually just when you love that person, you journey with them. So you start to see that mum, and I'm not a talkative person. He knows everyone at the school gates already. And we only moved up here a few months ago. Um, whereas I'm kind of going, how do you know they're not? Like our kids aren't even in the class of the parents you know. And uh, I'm not like that. But yet, I think when we make ourselves available, suddenly we start to hear the conversations at the school gate. And we realize that that mum isn't just saying a bit of gossip there's something behind it. And so our perfect love drives out the fear in this introvert that I suddenly start to hear and pick up what she's saying. And then I go, I need to pray into that. And then we're sort of, this is just a recent thing that a couple of weeks ago where actually what the Lord has done is taken a hearing of a story to us saying we can pray into that, to us actually, well, when I say us, David declaring on this is what we believe the Lord said in the closet when we prayed about that situation, to then the woman seeing a healing happening, and now she wants to go for walks down the lag and towpath. You know, so there's just the, when you have, <laughs> not with David, um, but it's just inclining our ear, and sometimes what stops us is fear, and so we go, oh, I feel safe inside my church, so if I put on a really great thing I'll hand the coffee out um, and that's not to diss that we did that all the time too um, but it's actually just the inclining your ear at the school gates it's actually walk like even yesterday we were driving you know through traffic lights and you suddenly saw a woman who looks so burdened and so sad it was unbelievable but it's having our eyes kingdom eyes seeing those things and actually going I need to pray for that woman Lord what is going on in her life she is like burdened um, and I think that's why it's perfect love that drives yeah. out the fear to connect that's very good that's mm -hmm. great um Suppose you've alluded to it there, Cheryl, this is the importance, suppose we're walking in the way of Jesus, the importance of paying attention mm. and the importance of listening. And so I think it's, what's really important is that we're doing that in our communities, in the place where he has placed us, that we're listening, that we're paying attention to what's going on, rather than coming in, and I think, we, I think you're right, we do it out of fear, come and do all our stuff, all our programs, all our events, but actually it requires us just to, to pay attention and to listen. But I think maybe in this season, at the moment, you're back, you're back, up north, yeah, you're back up north, and uh, and so I think maybe that's maybe speak a wee bit about that. Like you, the list, you're still listening, paying attention to what the Lord's saying at the moment. Now that you're away from all the ministry stuff, yeah, and I suppose like for us, we were happily just trodding along, and I suppose you have to you have to hold even ministry lightly, and, and where God's called you, you have to hold it lightly as well, you know, because it's His. And your calling's his, he knows where he wants you. And suppose for us, you know, we were just ministering away and, and we just, you just start to notice, you know, your roots being sort of tugged a little bit. And then uh, Cheryl and I just started to really try and discern what that was together and, and just pray, you know, we felt, uh, there was a few different people actually spoke in. Uh, they didn't even know what we were thinking. And there was a few sort of prophetic words that, kept coming back and saying you know step back and be filled and so we started to pay attention to what's God saying to us why you know and then um, as we stepped back there were some miraculous things that really just fitted into place to show us 
God's confirmation of like he wants us out for a specific reason and suppose now we're we're living in Belfast we really don't know what the future holds like we know he's called us for for Ireland we know we're going to go back there we, we feel like at the at this current time he's really preparing us you know and it's okay to wait I think we probably one thing we've learned in ministry is just be okay with waiting you know we, we always have this thing where we want to be getting things done but sometimes the Lord just just wants you to marinate in in what he he wants to say sometimes he won't say it straight away so we're just trying to listen for that and you know Cheryl and I have been connecting with the the Tabar stuff and Emmanuel and just really blessed by a lot of relationships even yourself and the guys you know just so we're wondering what he's going to do with us and where he's going to send us again so I don't know if Cheryl wants to ask. Well Cheryl maybe you could again this was as we picked up in conversation with you guys a couple of days ago you mentioned about the pace of Jesus mm-hmm. and the, his, knowing his presence in the waiting. Mm-hmm. I think it's also even related to some of what you've already said because I think we, we just assume that he wants us to be more busy. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much to do. We, we have a lot to get on with and mm-hmm. we think that that's the pace that he has set but mm-hmm. that's not always the case or actually within church life or busyness can become an idol, can't it? Mm-hmm. So is there anything to talk about like the pace of Jesus? Because I think as we're talking about the way, walking in his ways, it's not always like 100 mile an hour. It's like it's so much slower than I think we realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a beauty to it because I think as Christians, we always talk about a relationship with Jesus, but quite often it's almost to <laughs> differentiate us between you know some other areas and you're going, oh, they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. But then I think sometimes we need to ask ourselves, am I actually walking in that relationship? Or, you know, was it more an occurrence that happened, you know, when I was four or whatever? And so actually to walk in the ways of Jesus is to actually journey every single day. It's to open up his word and not just know the stories, but it's actually, you know, that his word is a sharper than a double-edged sword. So what is the Lord saying to me today? And in the waiting then, his presence is still close. He is still directing. He is still sharpening. He is still speaking to me through his word. And I think we've gone, so I'm, Yes, an introvert, but I, I love strategy. I love going, oh, how are we planning this year out? And how does this look? And, but actually, there's been seasons of my life where the waiting has been more like, come on, God, please tell me. I really want to know now. Come on. Um, but actually, this season, God has been so good. And I think maybe he slowed us a lot down during COVID, where actually we can't. <laughs> um, but there's just been a real beauty and an intimacy of the daily connection with our Lord um, that has really helped. And I was even talking to my kids yesterday teaching them about Pentecost Um, and it was actually it's just been in my head the past 24 hours as I was speaking to my children teaching them why they were waiting for you know in the upper room and what Pentecost signified I actually found myself teaching the kids something that I needed to learn myself was sometimes we forget that the disciples had already been sent out. They had already come back to Jesus and said, we've seen healings in your name. We've seen demons cast out in your name. They were already doing the stuff. And yet Jesus said, wait 
Because until you have the Holy Spirit, wait until the power comes. And I suppose I was talking with my kids yesterday. Yes, of course, we know missionary friends who are learning languages. But can you imagine the day when the Spirit's power comes that they don't have to go away and sort of like have five years of study of these languages? They're preaching the gospel in the power of the Spirit all because they waited. And I think sometimes we neglect the wait and we try and do what the disciples did when he, they were sent out by Christ in the Gospels. So they're doing the stuff and they're seeing great things. But what is the key where Jesus says, wait for the power because that's significant? Um, and I suppose it's just that, isn't it? That the journey is daily with Jesus. The Spirit points more and more to Jesus. And we fall more and more in love with Jesus. So the waiting is still full of his presence. But actually, there's something in the waiting that comes with power. Well, there's a good Pentecost preach there. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, I know we're, like, it feels like we're going to weaving in and out different places here, but... Um, what if you, uh, without like we don't have to know that being like the dynamics of married life, but but just because you've mentioned your strategy, mm. and you're not so much. <laughs> yes. So I, I I just I am just like genuinely fascinated by that because I think it's, because I think it's really important. Mm. And I think we're getting to that place even in church life, recognizing the importance of both and, not either or. Yeah. So like I think we think we have to have the strategy, and I'm just not strategy. I'm like I'm like. Well, I try to be like John, the Gospel of John, the Spirit blows where he went once, and mm-hmm. we just wing it, we get caught up in that. But the importance of both and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so just in conversation with you, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, but I, I just like loved in conversation with you two the other day about how just that works. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a competition. Like you're not, like, you're not competing for who's right and who's wrong, and either or, you're just like mm-hmm. working that out. As, Two different personalities, two different dynamics. I think it's just really wonderful. I think, like, when we first got married, I was like, whoa, she's intense. You know, like, (laughs) she's always, like, ordering stuff. And I'm like, just chill out, woman. It'll all work out, (laughs) you know. And so it's funny, like, because the Lord, obviously, because we, like, we came together very specifically. Like, the Lord pieced us together. Like, she's completely different than me, and, and over the years, she's really nice, though. <laughs> over, over the years, you know, uh, you know, you sort of, I back away from that. Initially, I was like, I don't understand that. And Cheryl's like, he's like a spaceman. He doesn't know where he's going. But, like, over the years, the Lord just brings your hearts together. And I've actually learned to think strategically, too, which is, is not really like me. And Cheryl has actually chilled out and, and thought, you know, people are really important as well. So it marries itself really well. I think, though, also it's the beauty of that entire church. You know, just the way Jesus does things. He doesn't go, here's the head honcho. I'm going to give him all the stuff. Let's follow him. But it's actually the importance that all of us have to play. So whilst I'm going, actually, I'm honestly, you know, terrified at meeting people at the school gate. He's not. I'm actually, this strategy is being informed by his gifting, but likewise his gifting is being informed with something that has a wee bit more roots and actually structure to it. And I think that's how the beauty of the body, the entire body of Christ, is that if you aren't bringing your thing to the table, we're weaker for it. And so there's a real beauty that there's actually people here who are the really, really quiet ones, but actually whenever they, they're just observing things, like 
honestly, I'm just describing you guys like I know from our church in Ballinasloe, like there were folk who would never have really spoken all that much, but if you wanted to know something, they had been watching. They were observing. They were acute. They could see who was feeling down that day and was actually, there was something happening over in the corner. Um, And so it was bringing even that out in the whole body. You know, we strengthen one another and it's the beauty of Jesus and how he forms his bride is that we all need interdependence on one another. As a body of Christ preach. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, I know I could keep talking to you guys for so much longer. Well, give us another few minutes but i'd love to go again picking up something of what you said cheryl i mentioned to david just at the start mm-hmm. um listening to your conversation with phil over at emmanuel a couple of weeks ago and uh, i was just so struck i'm continuing to be struck by it the the fact that how you were called that you thought it would, i don't know if you thought it was going to be in Dremore, but it was almost like the lord said this place is covered and so it's not to dismiss all the ministries and all the stuff that's going on down in Dremore, uh-huh. but that sense for you that it was covered. Mm-hmm. And where is it that it's not, where is it that the church, the body is under-resourced? Because mm-hmm. that's where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And so I think again, to talk about, to pick again up, uh, to try and just to stick slightly with it, we don't have to, but the theme of walking in the way of Jesus, I think that means it's going to be where it's really uncomfortable. Like, it's comfortable to stay where, where it's really well resourced. Where the kids' ministry is like amazing. The worship team are incredible. And that's not like all, all that is true. Like our worship team are great. But they're, that call to go where it's under resourced is taking you outside of where it's incredibly comfortable. And I think when you're following the way of Jesus, when you're listening and paying attention to the voice of Jesus, that that's what he's probably going to say and where he's going to take you. Mm-hmm. Just begin, like what that's been like, sort of like moving beyond where it's comfortable to the place of where it's under-resourced and almost like mm-hmm. starting from, I mean, I start from scratch, but like, yeah. So I suppose, day. Ian, there's two probably sides to it. Um, one being, so it's, it's really interesting for me. I came up thinking our kids would absolutely adore the church up here. Uh, of course they do. Um, but I'm going, oh, there's so many more things. There's actually Christians your age. Um, and so I thought our kids were going to love it. Our kids are really grieving what they knew because actually they don't see themselves as northern irish and um, two of them were born in Ballinasloe, and they just really miss down there so whilst we're looking with our eyes going that's under resourced our kids are looking at actually the strengths going do you remember and i think there was a real strength when things were under resourced in terms of multi-generational ministry so our kids were really like the people that they're grieving missing are not necessarily the other 10-year-old, but they're really missing the 30-year-old who became like another auntie to them, the people who really became grandparents to them. And um, So there's that, so it's not so difficult. I think sometimes we go, it's dreadful. It's not, it's not that hard. But for us, certainly the calling came about the under-resourced thing. The Lord spoke, it was when we were in Dremore, and we were praying about what to do that summer. Again, I was in strategy. I was asking the December beforehand. And uh, so I was going, right, Lord, what are we going to do? What will we do with the kids' ministry? You know, do you want us to do this holiday Bible club? And the Lord just really impressed upon my heart going, there's awesome stuff happening there, Cheryl. You don't have to, you know, fill another week with it. 
Um, you know, so literally it is a case where in Dromore, I don't know if it's the same in Rich Hill, but literally the churches sometimes overlap their holiday Bible clubs, you know, because, you know, there's only eight weeks of summer holidays and there's so many things going on. So the Lord was like, don't do another thing. Go where actually they don't have the money. They don't have the manpower. And so we did. We took a tour initially around the south where we took an RV and uh, just drove around with a sort of a kids club on tour. And that's probably where the Lord really started to burden us into the under-resourced. But yesterday even, when we were, we actually were praying, we're in Belfast, as David said, and we went for a walk with our kids up to Black Mountain and we were praying over the city and we were praying for the needs of the city with our kids. But we were also praying going, God, there is so much good stuff happening here. Like there are so many churches, it's unbelievable. Um, and we were actually just really praying for the spirit to release movement that actually there is so much deep theological richness in the Northern Irish Church. It's, it's unbelievable. It really is. I've done ministry in all across the world, and what I really saw was the heritage that we come from is incredible. And so just for the Lord to see movement happen across this land would be beautiful, and um, that we actually start... Um, to not be so beholden to, oh, but I've got this house and I've got this and there's that club that the kid goes to and how would they react? I think it's just to be willing to follow. So there's a, I'll finish maybe on this in case there's anything else. I could chat for hours. But there's a gentleman that we listened to his talk there. He's a gentleman in his 70s and um, and he planted a church in Dunmurry right after finishing Queen's University. He had started a youth Bible study um, and then ended up planting a church in Dunmurry, Dunmurry right after leaving Queen's. Um, however, whilst he was in that church, he had a few words that he had to move to America. And he and his wife resisted it apparently for a while because they loved working in Dunmurry. Um, but eventually the Lord got their attention, and they moved to America, which they established a life. They had kids there. They have grandkids there now. And only in the past couple of months, the Lord said, move back to Ireland. Now, that's them in their 70s having to leave kids and grandkids who are all in America born and bred. And what, something that he said when he was talking is, the Lord is doing something in our land. He's asked me and my wife in our 70s to return for what he's doing in the land. But one thing he said was, if we aren't willing to move, we're not willing to follow. And that was really key that stuck with me. It was this whole thing of, if we're still alive and we're still disciples of Christ, he may not ask you to move out of Rich Hill. He may not ask you to move further than, I don't know, Market Hill or Armagh. But we have to be willing to see the multiplication of churches around our land and around the globe. I was going to say amen to that, but I thought, what if he actually did tell me to leave Rich Hill? I'm like, no, <laughs> like I'm up for that at all. Even just to add on to that, like when we were in Ballinasloe, I suppose the, the Lord calls you to, you know, sometimes we just think, you know, we can be nice and neat and tidy, but even the people group, like we were working a lot with the Irish travellers in Ballinasloe, and we had to really press into their community and it's not comfortable in, in terms of you know you know it's just completely different to how you live but like you know when when the lord steps into that when you step into where he is even you know when you just think about people group when you think about like i was thinking this morning it's the case like was the tax collector they hated him the, the people hated him they pushed him to the back and so he had to climb that tree but like you know jesus was for him 
Jesus sought him out. So he's looking through the crowd going, where is he? Where is the person who is outcast, who is, you know, not comfortable, who is not safe, who's going to disturb your whole life that you have going on? You know, and the, and the question is for me as a disciple and for us is like, are we going to step into that? Right. When he says, go there, will we follow there? You know, whatever that looks like, yeah. wherever you are, you know. That's really helpful. I'd love just to mention the highlight your kids too. Like, it's not just you two that are paying the price or pursuing the voice of the Lord. Like, your kids are part of this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's like flexibility. You've had to be flexible, I'm sure. You have to adapt. And as you continue to wait now and where the Lord's going to send you next, that requires just being continually flexible and adaptable. Like, how's that been? How's that been for your kids? Well, it's, uh, you know what, kids are so flexible. I I think sometimes we get worried that kids won't change and adapt. Like, yes, you do have to be mindful of them. You have to think of where they're at in their school years and, you know, when's the best time. All that comes into the mix. But at the same time, you know, if God calls you to go somewhere, he's called your kids as well and he's going to prepare their hearts. I suppose it's just journeying. We have learned to just journey, tell them where we're at, yeah. what God's doing, invite their voice on the matter, tell them to listen to God, throw their voice into the mix, because, you know, we try to discern the whole thing together, I think. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think it's even just trusting the Lord with them, that he's taken them on the journey too. So it's esteeming them, as David said, to bring their voice to it. But one thing that was significant when God was asking us to leave County Galway and come up here, because they see themselves as that was their home. So it was actually moving up here was more sort of shaking for them. Not when you say they're going back down, they're like, yes, when? Um, So actually, but what was really cool was the Lord probably was really shepherding them as well. So Elijah, our eldest, he's right there. Um, So he actually is really on the journey of hearing God's voice too. And probably you'd rightly say you'd worry probably more than the two wee ones. Okay, the wee ones they've got food on the table they're happy and um, so literally he would worry more but it was really cool before we left Ballina slow that the Lord was actually giving him pictures as well wow. so he was even just there was a journey for us when we were coming up here was faith okay in terms of house provision was a massive thing of faith that we had to pray through that we didn't have something that we've moved into and Bob's your uncle that's it and we've really had to sort of be living with grandparents and then it was by December that actually the Lord you know opened up a temporary place for us so we've been kind of simmering on the provision of house yeah and but right before we left Banaslow the Lord gave Elijah a picture actually of just just hundreds of sparrows hovering over our house and before we left and he came down he said what was that mom and dad and we were like well what well let's open the bible where do we see sparrows in the bible and so we opened it up and we were just even showing him that you know the lord promises to take care of our every need you know that how more precious are we and so we just spoke that through him and i think that actually just raised his faith is going the lord has given this to me he's spoken of provision for me so actually this is good and so it is just a journey of all of us doing it together he's nodding at me so it's okay i shared it there we go wonderful elijah that's such a good story um yeah, like, still, my scribbles here. You'll not be able to make them out, but there's so much more to say. But I think we'll, I think we'll wrap up. But I think it's just important to say, especially in Pentecost Sunday, just as during worship, that actually the Spirit doesn't come and fill us, fill all flesh, to make us feel good, like give us a nice feeling. But it's always for, it's always, this, it's always for mission, isn't it? And like, 
the spirit is filling us to go. Mm -hmm. And so, and so David, I don't know if you want to, either of you can respond to this, but I'm just, I said a couple of weeks ago that as we've listened and paid attention to people within our community that are, that don't know Jesus, they're still using language that I think that is like really important for us to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So one guy in particular, uh, again, I shared it here a week or two ago, that he wished the word they was removed from the English dictionary because when it comes to stuff that needs to happen within our community, people will say, well, who's going to do it? They, they will. Mm -hmm. And so I struck by you, David, I don't know if you remember again, speaking to Phil, that actually we can come and say, like, there's kids, like, running around the streets. Like, what are they going to do about it? Or there's, mm -hmm. the town's a bit of a mess, there's litter needs picked up, but what are they going to do about it? But actually your question was, well, what am I going to do about it? Yeah, it's, we are responsible, you know, and it's wherever you are, whatever you're doing, it's, you have to be saying that, you have to be owning that and saying, look, you know, if there's stuff needs done, just get out and do it. I'm just a very practical guy as well, you know, and for me, like even when we were in our town, you know, there was lots of people owning that as well and saying, oh, we are doing it. So people were owning different things, but you know, it's just coming behind them and, and working and being responsible for what God's asking you to do in your own town and, you know, for your own family. Yeah. We just have to own it, like, really. Anything else? Anything else burning that you just have to get out? I've done the Pentecost preach. Yeah, yeah, he's he's preached twice there. there. You've done so. a lot of preaches. Um, I'd love Neville yeah. to come and pray. Is he, uh, Neville sort of borders the north and south. In, Is he? I think physically and heart and mind and all of that. And, uh, and so just as you've said, I think the Lord is mm. doing something across our island. And, um, and I think it would be great that just as we finish, thanks for sticking with us here. Mm. Um, it would be great if just Neville finished our time off and uh, prayed for us all, but prayed especially for, for you guys and for Elijah and, uh, and Seth and Gideon as well. Thanks, Nev. Isn't that good? Uh, so it's, uh, it's good to get a chance to pray for you uh, or lead us all as we, as we pray for you and, and your family. Um, I was really struck by the words of uh, Jim Elliot, who says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot uh, keep to gain what he cannot lose. And, um, and sometimes we talk about things and I love the way that you have you have talking about it um, it's not a sacrifice mm -hmm. as much as it is a joy and we can see that in you but on the on the human side there is a sacrifice but I suppose it's where where's our eyes what what's our eyes fixed on and uh, our eyes are fixed on that which is eternal and uh, and so sometimes we have to give up a little for that greater um, uh, thing within us. So, pray with me as we as we pray for for uh, David and Cheryl, Elijah, Gideon, and Seth, and uh, we're all praying together, uh, and and we just love uh, what God's doing, and will continue to do. And uh, Father, I'm praying also for us as we have listened to this story. Of, of this family's um, journey with you, this uh, family's story of continually seeking you and your ways daily. And, uh, and so, 
Father, I probably know a wee bit behind this, this, this story as well, but thank you that waiting time, as, as uh, Ronnie would say here, waiting time is not wasted time. And, uh, and Lord, just as they continue to wait, as they continue to just uh, be at peace and one with you in their daily, hourly, whatever that looks like, uh, seeking of you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, paint great pictures in the sky like you did for Elijah. Paint the great picture again of the sparrows um, and how, Lord, you do care for each one of us. And so we as a church just uh, want to pray, Lord, that you would bless and continue to bless and continue to lead and guide. And thank you, Lord, that you have shown through this couple that the ones matter. People matter. People, um, and, uh, and Lord, I'm just praying for great things. I'm praying for great things in all of our lives as we, as we consi consider what you have called us to be part of, what you've called us to, to surrender our lives to. And as we continue to think of that, where are you at work, Father? Where do you, where are you calling us to uh, work with you and work with the people who have already a burden and a heart and a desire to see your kingdom come? So bless this family and bless us all. Thanks for the great time that we have had today. Thank you for just reminding us again of your love for us, your, your absolute complete love for us thank you jesus thank you holy spirit that you're here and and and, uh, and father we thank you for your unbounding love to each one of us in this room amen